This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. ginger whiskey in it from our drinking with authors cup um what are you drinking jen i am drinking coffee in my drinking with authors cup but it's banana foster flavored coffee so there's that <laughs> all right mine's the boring one it's early here so i'm drinking coffee out of a mug it's mm-hmm. just black drip coffee <laughs> we will get you a drinking with authors cup after this so that would be amazing so i have fun. a Wine for later once we uh <laughs> once we're talking for a bit. Oh cool. I love that. Okay, so Sarah, for our audience, will you um talk a little bit about what kind of writer you are? Yeah, so I'm a nonfiction writer and um my first book is called In the Dark of War, and it's a true account of the evacuation from Libya. So I was in Libya shortly after the Benghazi attacks, which I think probably most people in the world are familiar with. Um, That was in 2012, September 2012. So I got there in July of 2013, and the situation continued to devolve, and then we ultimately had to evacuate. And I suppose a key part of that information is that I'm a former CIA officer, so I was the (laughs) CIA analyst in Libya. So it's about So you weren't just vacationing there when all this (laughs) No, (laughs) key piece of information. It is key. So obviously very lighthearted piece of work, no seriousness, lots of laughs. Lots of intensity. Yeah, Yeah. it was, um, it was quite intense. And so I tried to write it to reflect that. So um, it definitely builds throughout the book as it did throughout the year. um, And then ultimately culminating with this sort of harrowing overland evacuation. I actually wrote it. So it goes back and forth in the narrative between the um, evacuation and then what was happening throughout the year. Um, I thought sort of what was happening throughout the year might get a little um, boring, to be honest, um, as it slowly <laughs> builds, right? Because um, it didn't start out with like all the intensity it, it built throughout the year. So um, I alternated the narrative just to keep it a little more interesting. So what made you decide to um... Well, first of all, this is your first book that you published, correct? Yes, and I'm working on more. So um, I am working on more nonfiction and then also fiction, so spy novels. Um, so very much in keeping with the theme. And, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by, like, survival stories and, um, you know, the, um, like, crisis management side of things. So. I'm actually in emergency management now, and so the other nonfiction books I'm working on are more related to like preparedness and survival and that kind of thing. And then the even the spy novels kind of keep that theme going too. And the nonfiction one, ultimately, it's about surviving Libya, so it's very much still along the theme. No, totally. What made you decide that you wanted to write? Like, 
you you were a CIA agent, so first of all, it's very very, you know, Bond, James Bond in a literary sense. So you're a CIA agent, and then you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write books. What was the transition? How do you go from one to the next? Wait, so I will say my uh, career tra trajectory has been nothing normal. Um, I actually majored in English, so my degree from college is in writing. And um, Jen is a PhD in English Lit, so she's nice. like, yay, high five! I would strongly recommend it to anyone. So I went to the University of Puget Sound, and I got my degree in English writing, and um, absolutely love writing. I've always done it. And in fact, even in the CIA, it was so useful to have that kind of degree. Like I know like most people go in with like masters in like foreign policy or international relations or something like that. Um, but I will say that degree helped me so much because the bulk of what we were doing was writing. So to go in with a really strong background in writing already, I think that really helped. I was able to like turn around assessments and products and things like that really fast. Um, and that was a big part of my job. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit. Um, so the, the reason we met is through a friend of mine who was also former CIA. I know all the spies. No, I don't. Just <laughs> I didn't know the spies. My dear friend Rosa, she actually bought me this picture. Um, <laughs> it was very thematic too, so I, I put it up. Um, yeah, no, Rosa and I worked together at CIA and um, she she's my phone a friend. When I need help, she's the one I call. Yes, she is a, uh, she's amazing. But she talked to me a little bit about your publishing experience because you've had oh a little gosh. bit of an interesting publishing experience. By interesting, I think you mean nightmare. Well, I was going <laughs> to say tragedy, but I thought I would leave that to the, to the listening audience. To okay. So uh, I first submitted the book to CIA in October of 2015. So as a CIA officer, we sign a secrecy agreement saying that anything we write, we will run through their review board before publication. So um, it's a legal document. If you don't do it, you can be sued and they can take all your profits. So um, even besides that, besides not wanting to get sued by the CIA, um, you know, that's the integrity issue too. Like I sign this thing and so I'm going to follow through on doing it. Um, some people don't, and there've been a couple recent examples and so far nothing has happened, but you know, it's sort of the looming over them that they could be sued and all their money taken. So anyway, that's a little separate tangent, but I submitted mine in October of 2015. We're very famous for tangents on this show. It's okay. Well, it's so frustrating because, I mean, I'll get to the end and you'll realize everything I had to go through. And then there's these other people that are like, oh, well, I didn't want to wait. So I just go ahead and publish. Like, well, wait until they make some money and then CIA shows up and takes out all of their coolness. So, so. You know, the rules okay. sometimes are meant to be followed. Yes. Well, this one, you know, like if you, if you don't, it literally could result in people's lives. So, you know, that's a really big deal. And it's not up to me to decide what I think is classified. It's up to the CIA. And so, um, you know, you just don't know how something that seems like totally innocuous to you like, could actually end up being a really big deal in an operation or something else. So, yeah, I, I definitely followed that requirement. The problem is 
So I got it approved. It took about a year and a half. It took quite a long time for them to do it. At the time, they were telling people it was going to be up about 30 days. Um, so like, you know, end of November 2015, I'm like checking my email every day. Little did I know I wouldn't hear back for another year. Um, so they did actually clear it. And then I sent it to a couple of readers and they made some suggestions. So anytime you change it, then you have to send it back. So I ended up sending it back to them, got it approved. And so then I was able to start submitting it to literary agents um, to try to find a publisher. So um, found my agent, signed with him. I had avoided um, sort of mentioning the Benghazi attacks at all costs in my book. And he asked me to add in more about the attacks and more about like my childhood and stuff like that. Um, so I did. And then because I changed it, I had to send it back again. So this is the third time. <laughs> that time when I sent it back, they decided the entire thing and every version of it that I had ever submitted was classified. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So in its entirety. They, they did what I like to call a takey-backsy, which is a formalized term of taking something back. Right. Which is also not allowed. <laughs> They're not allowed to do that. Um, but at that point, you know, I had sent it to many literary agents while I was searching for, you know, I'm sure your listeners are familiar with that process of like going on submission and all that. So I um, had sent it out. And so I asked some of my former CIA colleagues that had um, also published books, like, what do, what do I do? You know, I was really worried because I'd already sent it. So they put me in touch with a lawyer, um, Mark Zaid, who sort of specializes in representing um, former CIA officers. And um, he recommended submitting a lawsuit, which he did. Um, and pretty soon after he submitted it, they reversed their decision again in full. So, um, so they I, allowed I me to- right now that there is a, a attorney out there that had to specialize in helping ex-CIA, that that had to become a specialization of a person. Like, think about that. Like, that's a, like a niche. Like, it's a super- <laughs> super little niche, yet somebody you found specialized in doing. So he does, um, I think, all intelligence community, and then he also represents, um, like, whistleblowers from the administration and whatnot. So, um, yeah, oh, he's quite good. I strongly recommend him to anyone um, in the intelligence world who might need it. Um, yeah, so it was just, it was a really long process to get that approved, and um, it ended up being, you know, like last year and then um, got a publisher and then um, set the publishing date. And then of course, coronavirus. So then ultimately after five years of working on it, it ended up coming out in the middle of a pandemic, well, but it's know, out. I will say, I, you know, talking to, we get to talk to a lot of authors all the time. And um, because we have a show that does that, I suppose that's, I know, weird. <laughs> weird. You know, this pandemic, we have a lot of authors that, for instance, even Jonathan Mayberry, M.K. Williams, they wrote these books about a pandemic happening way before the pandemic happened. And then they were set, it was like cosmic fate. They were set for now to release in the middle of the pandemic. Like M.K. Williams pushed hers off. Jonathan Mayberry can't because he's like set in stone on his things. And there's these giant pandemic novels coming out in the middle of a pandemic. And it's like, people are like, this is poor taste. And you're like, yeah, there's just the timing. Right. So like the date was set, you know, a year ago before we even knew then about COVID. So. so let's talk a little bit about your publisher that you found. 
we we dive into a lot of this stuff because you know we have had everybody from um that self publishes hybrid you know publishers that have um uh publishers and authors we've had people that unfortunately have gone through vanity presses never go through a vanity press um and we have authors that um are just purely publishers how did you find your publisher did your agent find them how did how did that happen Yep, um, it was through my agent. So I have a literary agent, um, Greg Johnson, uh, WordServe Literary. So it's part of uh, my background. So I, you know, was a preacher's kid. And um, so like my faith is one of the themes in my book. And so um, he represents um, authors who have that background, but um, uh, write about like national security and um, intelligence and that kind of thing. So again, with like the very specific niche. Um, How do you find all these specific people? This is <laughs> I have found every niche person along the publishing line. <laughs> so he, uh, he found the imprint. Um, and it still took some time. Like I had probably done it a little backwards, for, especially for nonfiction, where I actually wrote the full book and then wrote the proposal based on the book that I had already written. And the reason for that is because I knew it was going to be hard to get cleared through the CIA, which and like even I didn't expect how bad it was going to be. But, um, you know, I, I think that made it a little bit harder to find a publisher because um, it, it was already written. And normally you submit that proposal and then they have some input on how it's done. No, it's true. A lot of a lot of publishers do want to. A lot of them also want to rewrite the book and tell you what story to tell, which can be thoroughly exciting, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I wanted to tell it in the way I wanted to tell it. Like this book, how it's written is like, that is 100% me. Um, it was how I wanted to tell it and the way I thought it should be done. And so, um, you know, the publisher ended up being uh, Post Hill Press. Um, and that's an imprint of Simon and & Schuster. Um, mm -hmm. And, the, you know, they did... Um, some sort of light editing. Apparently it's a problem with like former military and intelligence where we like weirdly capitalize things. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that was one of their comments to me. Yeah, no, I trust me. It, I'm sure that's something that flew perfectly on CIA reports. Not that I know that at all. Anybody who's watching this, I know no CIA. Um, so. <laughs> you do this so what are the other things you're working on from a nonfiction standpoint uh so from nonfiction, so i have a friend her name is city cindy otis and she's also former cia you might not know the whole network but <laughs> we, I, we have I this whole network <laughs> we have a disclaimer we have an underground network um of you know former cia officers and we sort of stay in touch but um she and I knew each other when we both worked there and um, have stayed in touch. So her book just came out this year as well, um, True or False, and it's about like disinformation and, and whatnot. So um, she and I have sort of similar backgrounds and similar interests. So um, we've talked about co-authoring a couple of books and um, we've been working on the proposals for that. Um, and then I'm doing one on, so, more like emergency preparedness with, again, the crisis management side, like personal security, personal preparedness, and um, like very specifically want to do it like by women, for women. Um, so I work with a lot of first responders now and then of course former intel, former law enforcement. So um, 
you know, getting input from women from all these backgrounds on like what they would recommend to people. So um, those are the nonfiction ideas that I'm working on. Very cool. What about the fiction ideas? Because a little birdie named Rosa told me some <laughs> of my children's books. Is that right? No, so I'm sort of gone back and forth on whether I wanted to do young adult or adult and um, I will admit this was one where my literary agent was like, we want spy novels. <laughs> we want spy novels with a strong female lead. We want not just any spy, I'm like, I want a spy novel about a CIA officer who's a woman and an analyst. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can do that. So you're writing yourself basically in fiction. It'll be sort of semi autobiographical yeah well I figured as much I mean when you come from like Jen's a teacher if she wrote a book about teachers regardless of how she wrote it it's semi-autobiographical no matter what she does well right even if I was just gonna write about like CIA operations in X country like I base it on what I know so you know what else do you do other than just totally make it up but if I'm gonna write about my background so if you're are you working on a spy novel now Yep, I actually just submitted it to CIA for review. So we'll see. Fingers crossed, I hear back soon. Wow, that's going to be fun for you having to submit all of your work to this. <laughs> right? That was the reason for sort of thinking maybe I'll do children's books, right? So I have another one that I wrote. So I don't know if we'll, I don't know if it'll get published or not, but sort of went sort of like young adult and more like science fiction because I figured that would be easier. And in fact, it was quite a lot easier to get approved. Oh, so, no, totally. I would think so. We'll so what is your writing process like? Oh, process. So I like to outline. I'm a big outliner. I have sticky notes of varying colors um, that I start with that and they're all over the wall. And um, sort of different color represents like character or um, chapter or plot or different things. And um, I will literally block out the entire book on the wall. <laughs> and um, then I will write an outline based on that. So I can like move stuff around where I think like this like anecdote or this part of the story, maybe it works better at the beginning than at the end. Um, so I, I do all that visually and then I'll write it in an outline form in a Word document. And then, um, and then from there, like do it like into chapters. And so it'll be like chapter one and then like the main plot points I want to hit in that chapter and um, who's involved and then sort of go from there like each each one just build it out and I go through in um, I don't know, like waves I don't know if that's the right way of saying it but I go through multiple times so I'll, basically the first one is just plot like I will strongly focus on the plot and just get all of that hammered out and you know I mean you're still like talking about the characters and stuff but then I'll go through again and that like the second time I go through like I'll really focus on um, the characters and like building out like you know specific dialogue for each one and the way they look and like personality and that kind of stuff and then you know I'll go through again and do um, like the environment and like what's going on so really building out um, what things look like and feel like and taste like stuff like that so it's multiple times going all the way through That's that makes sense that's so interesting. I don't know that we've talked to anyone who, who does it like that. That's so cool. Oh, it's, I don't know if it's, it's kind of weird, um, but I layer it. And then, you know, at the end, 
that's when I go through and if anything needs to be taken out, that's sort of the last one where I sort of add and add and add and add and then at the end, if something doesn't work or it's unnecessary, then I go through and that's when I pull out. No, that makes sense. What are you doing, Jen? <laughs> I, have, I have stuff under my desk and it all just fell on my foot. So I'm <laughs> For those listening, not watching, you end up seeing all of a sudden Jen just fades from the view completely. <laughs> like, I thought she was coming back and then she disappears again. And I'm like, oh. I had my foot on it and it just all went. <laughs> That's what I get for my piles. So, okay, destruction time. Back to the outline. No, I don't think I've talked to anybody who does it quite like that, but it's not weird. I don't think there's such a thing as a weird way an author goes about doing anything. Everyone has a different process. Yeah, it's a process, you know? And some of us, like, I just learned, and it totally blew me away the other night, that George R.R. Martin is a pantser. Just... Like, mind blown, if you read the Game of Thrones series, I, I know, look at, Jen's face is like, what the actual crap? I had no idea. I, was, I thought he'd have a gigantic wall like you were describing of all these things and strings linking all these characters. And how the hell do you pants a series like that? Anyway, new newfound respect for Mr. Martin, because I was like, what? As a pantser, I do that. So... When you wrote your the, the current book that's published, where were you when you did your sticky? Were you still, I'm guessing everything was over. You were out of Libya and then you went back and kind of looked it over? Yeah, so I, st- so actually this probably goes back to what you were asking before too about why I started writing it. Um, so I actually started taking notes. So that one was a little bit different in that um, I started writing it while I was still working there and I actually started it um, just with notes in case I was called to testify before Congress. So I, I truly thought on the way out, like we were going to be ambushed or something horrific was going to happen and people were going to die. And like with every fiber of my being, I thought something was going to happen. Um, so I talked to um, one of my other chiefs who had been um, involved in a similar thing. And he recommended um, just taking notes in case I was called to testify because he was called, I want to say like, like a dozen times. Um, to talk um, before Congress about the thing he had been involved in. So I did, I started doing that, um, just, you know, very vague sort of records because I was gonna be carrying it with me on my way on the drive out. Um, So it was just sort of like dates and times and what was going on just so I could remember pretty specifically. And then, um, you know, got out, um, had some home leave and then got back to um, DC and was still working at um, headquarters and, you know, I, I knew pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be able to keep doing it. Like, I, I didn't feel like I was objective anymore as an analyst. Um, I had a lot of anger about what happened. Um, and so I decided, um, my mom actually has this advice. Like, if you go through a traumatic life event, wait a year before you make a major life-changing decision. Um, so I waited about a year and then um, knew I wanted to, but kind of gave it some time to make sure this is a big change, you know, like working for the CIA becomes such a part of your identity. It's like it's part of who you are. Um, so leaving was actually quite a big deal. And then um, when after, so there are different rules for review if you're currently a federal employee versus if you're a former. And so I knew I wasn't going to submit the book until um, 
actually had resigned. That makes so, sense. Did so you, you went to school? We're gonna go back. Going back in time. Scooby-Doo. I just scooby-doo that. Oh, what were you gonna say, Jen? You look like you're gonna actually ask a question. I, I I did. So you everything that you ever publish has to go through uh, they have to read it at the CIA. So I'm just imagining that this person's job is to read all these books and then they're gonna read fiction, spy thrillers. Is that common? Yeah. Yeah, they have to read everything. So like any article you read by a former CIA officer or anything like that, um, we have to send it all in. So the only time you don't is if it's like completely unrelated to anything the CIA does. So actually, like I mentioned now, I do emergency management. So I've written a couple of articles about like emergency management, like responding to the coronavirus or whatever. So like I don't have to send something like that to the CIA because I, that has nothing to do with what I did there. Like if you wanted to write a romance novel, you wouldn't have to send that in. It depends on if the, if the characters are CIA, CIA or spy, and they're being romanced by somebody in Libya. Pay attention, Jen. There are rules. It just seems like well, got niche jobs. Like, what did you do today? Well, first I read about escaping Libya, and then after I read a lighthearted romance. Right. I bet you we do. Job. That's a job I feel like I could pull off in the CIA above anything else. <laughs> what is your job? I'm a CIA operative. What do you do? <laughs> I read books. spy novels. I, re I read books. <laughs> <laughs> so neat. Oh my goodness. You but how would you compare points of, never mind, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Oh, well, I will say that process. So the review process is a nightmare in itself, right? So I've talked a lot about my own experience, but I will say that, um, like I wrote articles where I was approved to say things that I was not allowed to say in the book. Um, people wrote reviews about my book where they were allowed to say things that I couldn't say in my book. So like the, um, and again, like me taking, it took three years to get it finally done. Um, and other, like a director is going to be approved in like, you know, two weeks or something. Um, so that might be an exaggeration, but there's like, it's not consistent. There's no consistency in how they um, review books. Um, like it shouldn't matter if I was a director or an analyst, right? Like the process should be the same for everyone. And if there are specific words or terms that you can't use, then nobody should be able to use them. But it's very um, like subjective and arbitrary and opaque and Welcome to the publishing world. This book doesn't work and I want you to change this entire thing, but the same the exact thing that I told you to change, the next author who submits, I'm like, cool, we'll let that fly. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah. Publishing. Yay. It's terrifying. Okay. Well, we have to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back and I'm going to do my Scooby-Doo going back in time. Nobody will interrupt me this time. We will be right back on Drinking With Authors. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. We're back. Okay. I'm literally, um, we're using Zoom now in the time of COVID. And so it's super exciting because this is the second time we've recorded with it. 
I leave it to my producer. Okay, we were going to Scooby-Doo before Jen so rudely interrupted me previously with real questions. Shut up. Nobody's interested in your opinion. Just kidding. Um, so you decided to study English, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go backwards. Did you ever write previous to, like, did you ever go, you know, I want to write previous to doing the CIA? Oh, um, not a book. So I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write children's books. That was really like specifically growing up. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, it definitely changed as I got older. And then, um, so I actually interned when I was in college with emergency management and 9-11 happened. Um, that was my first, um, activation where we um, went to the emergency operations center and, um, we helped get the search and rescue team ready to go to New York. So I think, you know, like for many, many people, it changed everything. Um, my, so I have three brothers and they all joined the military. And so like, I very much wanted to do something more like on the national or international level. And my boss at the time recommended defense intelligence agency, which really appealed to me because it's still defense. So sort of more in line with my brothers and what they were doing in like strong military family, like half my, half my family is in the military, um, like aunts and uncles and cousins and all like both grandparents. And so, um, that, I mean, service is always really important in my family. I just thought I'd be writing about it instead of doing it. Um, <laughs> but here we are. So, but so you go to school for English. I'm I'm following the chart. We're we're together on this little little journey in time, and it's like the Willy Wonka boat. So we're going through the tunnel, and we get to now. I'm going to be in CIA. How did the, how did that evolution? You go to school for English, and but now you're a CIA agent. Now I know how Rosa got there because Rosa wanted to be an X Files agent. So. <laughs> Not that that's a real thing, not that the government would admit it that was, but like going oh, down yeah. that path, that was like kind of the, the thought. X-Files, for me, it was fringe. Like if CIA had a fringe office, I would have been in it. Um, I'd probably still be there. Um, never I found it. If that was a possibility. Right? Um, so I, I don't know, it's hard to describe like all the things that lead you on your journey, right? So I... Like I said, I, I've always liked the survival type stories and like how people like overcome obstacles and like do more than they ever thought or dreamt they could do. And like, I've always liked that type of um, story and experience. And um, so I started doing stuff like I got my EMT certification while I was in college because I just thought, you know, like that would be an interesting thing to do. So you know, like working on an ambulance. Um, I thought I could do that while I was going to school. But then once I got that, then I heard about the emergency management position and, and ended up going with that one. So I think it's just all the different things that lead you down that path, right? And then because yeah, I had that. Writer. <laughs> well, right, because I had that um, EMT certification, I was working on emergency management and they were looking for volunteers for search and rescue to help teach first aid to like the younger kids that were starting to go through, not kids there. I mean, they're all teenagers, kids though. Um, so, you know, I, I started volunteering to do that and um, like I was volunteering to do um, like 
rock climbing instruction with my church group. And so um, I was doing all these different things. And, and then, like I said, it was just that 9-11 is such a defining moment. Um, it I really... think almost every um, person that had um, uh, conscious memory kind of remembers where they were when that event happened for the U.S., you know? Yeah. I remember exactly where I was because I was driving to work when it yeah. came on the radio and I was like, like, it seemed like everything just slowed down around me. And Jen's from New York. She actually, her family lives in New York, so. Yeah, I got a call, like, turn on the TV, what channel? Any channel. <laughs> right, yeah. It was really early here, so I was actually still asleep and my mom came, woke me up, just like, you have to see this, and then um you know watching and then I got the call from work like come in right now um I would assume you thought that call was coming within moments <laughs> oh yeah I was already getting ready yeah, yeah. I knew I was going in um so when you, so you're doing this was there ever a, I mean you have a lot of perseverance to get through what you did to get this book out like because there <laughs> are many times throughout your story that some people might have given up on what they were doing at that time yeah, um, determination or stubbornness depends on <laughs> how you want to describe it. One got you through. I, I'm, I completely endorse either one of those situations. Yeah. I've always been that way, though. Even from a little kid, like very determined, um, very strong willed. Um, if I set my mind on something, I was going to do it. Well, so when, uh, good. Well, go ahead, Jen. Sorry. When, when you say you you always wanted to write children's books, do you mean like like young adult books or children's? like yeah, young adult so what would you how would you do a spy thriller young adult um <laughs> this is what i have is um like the girl she's not a spy she's a scout <laughs> you know that kind of thing so you're just going to change it a little bit well that jen and she said she wanted to do sci-fi we're going to talk about that after the show when we stop recording but i'm gonna have a oh, whole <laughs> about sci-fi young adult and where to go with that because that's uh, so only sci-fi in that like there's no real places or names or locations in it right so i that's probably not the right word but if you change it right so more like dystopian kind of post-apocalyptic kind of thing um you're still all amazing yeah i love them um, how long does it so when you sit down and write how many words can you get done in what you consider a day um, it just depends on how much time I have. So I kind of like to do it in chunks of time. So like if I'm going to do like one review all the way through, like I want to get it done as quickly as possible just to stay consistent. So like, like I talked about how I do it in the wave. So I try to do each one in like a couple of weeks if I'm going to go all the way through it. Um, so I think the first draft of the spy novel, I want to say I did that like in, it was like two weeks. I got all the way through the first, basically like getting out like the plot and everything built out. But I wasn't working, so I, that, like that's all I was doing. I'm sorry, but that's still like 80 hours, and you're like, I wrote the first draft of a, a spy novel. For writers out there, they're going, I'm sorry, what? what? <laughs> well, I only had I had a, a two hours to write. How many words are you getting down? It truly just depends on what's going on. So for me, it works better if I have, a, like I said, a block of time 
So like I knew when I wrote that first draft and it was the first time I did it, like, okay, I have this house alone to myself for the next two weeks. So I have to get it done. And so that's all I was doing. And, um, you know, there were still times like I wanted to like throw my laptop against the wall or something, but, um, you know, it helped to know that I only had until that time. So if I didn't get it done, then it wasn't going to get done. And I think it's harder when, for me, I work really good to a deadline. I've always been that way. Um, CIA just reinforced that like strongly. Right. Um, so I work better, work better under pressure and I work better when I have a deadline. So even if it's a self-imposed one, but if I knew like, like I have family coming to visit or whatever at the end of that two weeks, like I wasn't going to be able to do it. So, um, like I had that time. And so again, with the determination and all those other factors we already talked about, I'm like, okay, I either do it or I don't and just go for it. So what is your writing environment like? Do you have music playing? Do you like being in coffee shops? We talked to somebody last week, me and Jen, that absolutely does not like writing in coffee shops. There's no benefit to it whatsoever. And I was, we were like, that's fascinating. So, um, cause we're both coffee shop writers. We can go write in any amount of noise. We just put our heads on and observe. So what do you like to write in? No, like, like a hotel room or my room or like the house alone with nobody else around and no distractions. Um, so you won't put on music or anything? So I, I do sometimes, but I can't have words. It just has to be um, just music. So like when I was writing like the action scenes in these spy novels, I was listening to um, Rodrigo and Gabriella. So it's still like kind of intense kind of um, music, but there's no words to it. And so if I hear the words, I'll start singing along and then that's it. <laughs> we, do, we do the same thing. Journey, don't stop believing. We're screaming in. It has nothing to do with what we're writing and it's over. Jen likes to put on playlists from YouTube for movies, yeah. like movie intense action playlists. Epic music. You can put in like eight hours of epic music and then you'll just get, you know, or 20 minutes of epic music as someone has made a list. Yeah. No, I like absolutely. the, um, gosh, not related to writing, but even outside, just remind me. Um, you can see, like, they have these, like, aquarium ones on YouTube where it's just, like, this beautiful aquarium with, like, this relaxing music in the background. I put those on all the time. I love them. I, the lo-fi girl is pretty big right now. The girl at the desk, and it's, like, a little gif, so the cat will move behind her, and it plays music. So there's, like, a bunch of different versions of the, lo the lo-fi girl. Yeah. Doing, doing like homework or whatever. Wow. I have not even seen this. Go ahead, Jen. So Go. This, I just had this. All right. So my desk is a mess. I have piles. You can't, you could see them all behind me, but I'm like a super pile person. All right. <laughs> does that bother you? Or you say you like, you're right in a hotel room. Are you like laptop? That's it. If there's. Yes. Letter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, those I take down as soon as I'm done. So like once I have it all plotted out, like they come down. Do you keep um, them? Like put them in a book somewhere or do you throw them do, away? Actually, I probably still have some in this drawer right here. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, no clutter. And like, even if there's dishes in the sink that are dirty, like they have to be clean before I can start writing. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, I would never get any writing done if I had such parameters. We were just talking about how nice my room looks behind me. 
Oh. Because when recording podcasts, apparently my boyfriend thinks I'm too loud when we're in the office. So he's resigned <laughs> me to this. But I was just showing Jen that, you know, my mess, I look all like beds. I don't make my bed, just general audience out there. I do for you guys, though, to make it look nice and pretty. <laughs> I feel like this is the three different like types of writer. Like you've got crazy clutter, and then Erica is like subdued but but professional, and then you're like, no, I just need a laptop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So let's talk about reviews for a little bit on your book, right? So you put your book out, you put your baby out there finally after so many years of trying to get it out. What has been the response for your book? It's actually been really incredibly nice for the most part. So I've had I've had a handful of people who were involved in the response to Libya in some way, like helped with the evacuation that I had no idea about that I'd never heard about. And they reached out to say like, you know, this is what I was doing while you were evacuating. Um, you know, thank you for writing this book. Um, just incredible. Like, it's so humbling to get those messages from other people where they've talked about, like, how much they sacrificed to try to help me and to have them reach out and share that. Like, that's it's very moving and very humbling. Um, I've had a couple reviews, like, in um, Fox News and a couple other things, and they've been incredibly nice. <laughs> like, Loved the book and um, the reviews were really good. Amazon is like, I try not to look at the reviews on there. Um, I think it's still like four and a half stars. So that's still good. But of course, like, I'm sure like every author's focus on the bad ones, right? <laughs> and well, we talk a little bit about that on here because I think it's important as an author. I mean, you can decide just to ignore reviews. If you're going to decide to ignore reviews, totally fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with just ignoring the reviews, period, right? But if you're going to look at negative reviews, you have to take a step back because we, you can't take it personally. Like the internet is, I talk about this review, I've talked about it a lot on this show, where a friend of mine found this Yelp review and it said, the food was amazing, the waitress was awesome, the drinks were good. My Moscow Mule's lime was not as fresh as it could be. One star. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, it literally was a one-star review saying how great everything was. Had pictures, <laughs> Except the lime. <laughs> but the lime on the Moscow Mule was not as fresh as it could be. And it, But it just shows you, like, if you're going to look at the negative reviews, you have to go... I'm literally looking for that nugget of gold where they say that I've got incorrect tenses that my grammar was like, you look for very specific, I feel like editorial points to go, okay, I need to not do that again. But yeah, so there, there wasn't any of that. I think there's one, one star review and it was clearly written by somebody who was at the embassy. And I was really pretty critical in my book of the state department and um, their response and what they did. And so it was clearly written by, um, one of them. <laughs> like, no, no, super it obvious. They took the time. Uh, this is what I always say when people say something about a book. I go, thank you for purchasing my book. Right. <laughs> you, you gave me money. Thank you for giving me money. I appreciate that. That actually just funds me to continue to do what you're not happy with me doing. 
I'm not sure they actually bought it because um, the, the criticism ultimately in the end was like how much, like I just made it all about me and I took credit for everything. And I said, like, I was responsible for getting everybody safe. I'm like, actually in the book, if you read it, I go out of my way to say like how much other people were helping and how cool it was like that year I got back like the last chapter sort of ends with like finding like I'm so glad I stayed because I found out like how much people were doing during the evacuation to try to like watch us and like make sure like we were okay and like all the stuff they had prepared and staged in case something happened and like I said like that is it was just so moving and so that's how I ended the book is like finding out about all of that which is so cool no totally you have a group of, um, I do know about the super agent um, talk, chatter, chatter <laughs> channel. I call it the chatter channel. I'm going to call Rosa and tell her I've just renamed it to the chatter channel. And I, uh, we, call it, we call it Spy Gals. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she tells me. Um, but she didn't tell me what you guys say. She just says, I talk to my Spy Gals. So just again, reiterating, do not bother coming to talk to me. I know nothing useful. <laughs> When you are, a bunch of you guys have written books though, or are writing books. Have you guys created kind of a writer's community? Um, not formally, no. Um, and some of the people who are in our chat are not writers. So um, it's okay. We still like all former spy women. <laughs> um, you don't have to write books. Uh, no, not, not formally. Like we've, I mentioned, um, like with Cindy, um, you know, we've talked about maybe trying to write some books together and in fact, have started working on some proposals. So, um, you know, just, um, it's, it's informal and, and, and we talked to men too. Um, so actually like David Priest, who's written um, a couple of books now, he's been like phenomenal mentor to me. Like he was the one that, um, like I was first put in touch with after getting out, like I didn't know where to start with the whole process. And so like he really, um, help me along the way and, and, you know, truly appreciate everything that he's done. And, um, there's a couple other, like Fred Burton, um, he was state department and he's written a few books and, um, reached out to him pretty early on because he actually wrote one about Benghazi. And so, you know, talked to him about mine and like, it's about what happened after. And so there, I mean, it's informal, but I think we all have a tendency to, um, be more open to chatting with um, other former intelligence or whatever. And, and it's usually we are, we're put in touch through somebody else. So um, there, there is a, <laughs> there, truly there's a vetting process as well. There's a, you have to make it to the members only jacket club or you're not in. Well, you know, like people will lie about being in and it's for us, it's usually pretty easy to tell. Um, but usually um, it's word of mouth, like recommendation from mutual friend or something like that. Totally. So let's talk a little bit about the editing process for you. So did you have the book edited at all before you submitted it to um, everybody that you ended up submitting it to before you got to your publisher? Did you? No, just, just me. Um, I actually have my copy editing certification as well. So, um, I'm, I don't like editing. I don't know if anybody, well, I don't think writers enjoy editing, but it, it was, um, important to me, um, to get it. 
You went? I like Jen, it. I'm an editor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there's there's the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no I, it's interesting when writers try to edit their own work. I mean, if you're a copy editor and that worked well, I think that's a, a gem amongst normal people because for me, I've gotten to the point as a writer, I think the editing process is important if you understand the fundamentals of the editing and you have a correct editor. Because their job, depending on what they're, you know, if it's story editing, their job is to have an outside view and take a look at your story and go, this is, what, what, what story are you trying to tell? Because this is what is being visible. Because a lot of times we read it and you know the story, like your entire thing was based on a story you were a part of and you were in seeing it on paper is not necessarily what people see and then there's the fact that like for instance you know my last book i put out i possibly changed a character's name in two chapters i possibly there was a john slash noah person and they were the same person that possibly happened maybe <laughs> and so for me i look at the editing to go somebody it needs to make me look good like that's how I look at editing because I have these great ideas, but maybe, maybe they're not, maybe John and Noah maybe need to be the same person in the story. See, I, yeah. just, I need another pair of eyes because I, after you're looking at it for so long, I start to see what I think is there and not what's there. Like I can edit other people's work, but my own, I don't. I send it to other people to be my brain. I send it to other people for, I guess, more like plot and character um, input. Um, but I don't know any. I don't know any other people who specialize in editing, so I usually just do it myself. But um, even when the publisher was editing, it wasn't. There wasn't anything like really heavy with the edits on like, like this character is totally wrong or whatever. It was really just um, like for example, I talked about a go bag, and he's like, "What's a go bag?" <laughs> like you know, there needs to be something about where for me with where I'm coming from, like, so obvious what it is, um, that I didn't even think to put in an explanation. Um, and then, you know, most of my readers are also similar, like, military intel, so, like, everybody was like, go bag. <laughs> um, we all know what that is, please and thank you. <laughs> so, stuff like that. Um, and then, actually, my mom is the best person I know for catching typos. Like, she just has an eye for it, um, and I don't think everybody does. Like, I'll read a word, like, I, I'm one of those, I can read one of those, like, things, and, like, all the vowels are gone, I can still read it kind of thing. So, like, I'll just skip right over typos, I don't even notice, and um, she's, like, the queen of catching typos. So, we did have mom the editor then during the process. <laughs> oh, yeah, but even then... Like, I can't send it to anybody until after a CIA has approved it, right? So um, that's also kind of nerve-wracking, really. Like, you write a whole book, and you can't get any feedback or, like, friends, like, talking about, like, is this good? Is this bad? Or, like, should I change? Like, before anybody else sees it, you have to send it to the CIA. Well, that definitely changes the whole concept of beta readers, doesn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> My beta readers are the CIA. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I can tell you, it's not classified. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, because we have to wrap up, let's get a little advice from you for authors out there. What advice would you give young authors out there? 
uh, don't join the CIA and write books because the process of getting them reviewed is a nightmare. <laughs> um, don't join the CIA. I love that. No, no I, I, in all seriousness, like I will never regret my time in the CIA. I loved it. I'm glad I did it. Zero regrets about working there. Zero regrets about leaving. I'm glad I left. But as far as writing, I would just stick with it. Like it's a process and it takes a long time. And, um, you know, like mine from the time I wrote it until the time it was published is like six years. And um, it's, it's just a process and it's going to take a while and to stick with it. Awesome. So what is the next book coming out for you? I don't know. I just submitted it to CIA for review. So it is 100% dependent on like if they're going to take a year and a half or a month. And who knows? What is the name of it when it does come out, do you think? Well, my name right now, the working title is Shadow Base. Very, very cool. And then how do people find you? This is the shameless self-promotion. No, no, I like it. <laughs> so I have a website. Um, my name is super common. It's Sarah Carlson. So I had to go with my middle initial as well. So it's um, www.sarahmcarlson.com. And um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So there's links to all that on the website. Awesome. Awesome. You have been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Okay, so I have been, this has been drinking, wow, I have had to do this. This has been Drinking with Authors. I'm Erica Lance. Hey, I'm Patel. And we'll see you next time.